I can't tell you how helpful it has been for my mental health to have this outlet. As a chronically ill person, sometimes I feel really left out of society in a weird way, especially since COVID. And I had to basically accept that I would be working from home for the foreseeable future because of my health. And this group where I can post and I can be a support to other people like me, I can't put a price on the benefit of having something that you're passionate about doing that gives you a sense of purpose. Being able to work at your own pace as a chronically ill person, but still feel productive is amazing. Welcome to Run Like Hell Toward Happy, the podcast for overwhelmed creatives to stop hustling and finally create balance between work, life, play, and rest to make progress toward their dreams. I'm Caitlin Liz Fisher, motivational writer and coach who helps people listen to that little voice inside that knows what you really want to be doing. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I hope that you loved last week's interview episode featuring my sister, Jess. And if you did love interviews, you are in luck because we have another interview today. And today's interview is with one of my coaching clients. She's a member of Passion Pacers. She is a longtime friend of mine and my Facebook community manager, Abby. So Abby, say hello. Hi, guys. And uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, talk about what brought you to me for coaching, the projects that you have going on. Okay, well, my name is Abigail, or Abby. Um, I have known Caitlin for years and years and years on Facebook. We were in some groups together and ended up being Facebook friends. And just over the years of watching them kind of move into their identities and watching them go through the process of writing their book from having their uh, blog post go viral. I just always really appreciated and looked up to Caitlin's voice and their energy. And so I approached them, what, probably about a year ago? Yeah. I would say it was probably early 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a, a little over a year ago and just kind of asked for help because uh, I am a chronically ill single mother of three children who has a co-family situation where I live with my best friend and my roommate who has a cha- uh, two children. And so we have this amazing little funky single mom family of two moms and five kids on five acres in the middle of the woods. And I want to do something creative in terms of telling our story and potentially writing some fun little fantasy books that I've had brewing in my brain for years and years. And then I also help manage a small local business and tax office. So I had a lot of irons in the fire and I was really struggling on figuring out how to find my voice and find the road that I needed to take to make all the things that I wanted to do happen instead of just dreaming about them. And I just felt like Caitlin was the person that was going to help me make those things happen. Hooray! Well, I'm glad you did. I feel like I'm talking in circles. So. No, you're totally not talking in circles. Okay. Um, I also just realized I don't think I set up my microphone properly. So 
who knows how what the sound quality is like on this episode. Hope you okay, guys love so, it. What is it you always tell us that done is better than perfect? I do. I do tell everybody that done is better than perfect. So it's going to be done. So, yeah, it's going to get done. And if it sucks, I'll call you back up and we'll record it again. We'll re-record it. Yeah, I'll have practice then. Yes. You feel so much more confident. Okay, so you being a... I have so many irons in the fire person lines yeah. up perfectly with me being a chronic. I have so many irons in the fire person. Exactly. Um, Plus being chronically ill and neurodiverse. So yes, yeah. Chronically ill. We're, we both have fibro. We both are autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, Abby is a frequent example of mine on the show when I'm like, one of my clients also has fibromyalgia. Yep. And we were working on this and this and this. Yep. So I feel like we we align that way quite a bit. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I had to learn in my own experience of being a person who likes to have a lot of projects going on, which it mm-hmm. turns out that that's ADHD. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how to pick one thing. That's so hard. I I helped you to pick one thing. So yes. overall, this, today's episode is going to be about balancing illness with business. So how to stay productive and focused, even when you need to adjust your workload. Uh, if you are out of spoons, you're having a flare up with an illness, you're having a bad mental health day, how to build that flexibility in and not not have it shake your self-worth or your belief in yourself as a person yes. who's worthy of having a business. Yes. Yes. And in a person that having a business does sometimes have to take a back seat to being a healthy and whole human being. Um, but also you, you don't want to let things slip to the point to where you're not able to keep that business going. So it, it's definitely a balancing act and it's something that I'm still learning and can be very much of a struggle like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've got it all figured out and it's going to be super easy because it's not and it's going to look very different for each person but I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is I guess the biggest two things I've learned number one is like you said focusing on okay what is my major focus right now what do I need to get off the ground or what do I need to put most of my spoons that I have available to use towards work, what do I need to put into which project? Um, And so just prioritizing and not just having everything at at top priority and running in circles and not really ever making any progress on any projects. And then the second thing is giving yourself the grace and courtesy that you would extend to others because I'm a very... um, empathetic person. I understand where people are coming from 90% of the time, but when it comes to me, I do not give myself any of that grace and courtesy. So really working. We keep working on that. We are, we are. So really working with, with you and in my personal life and, and with my roommate, even we go back and forth and we're constantly reminding each other, like, I would never judge you for this. You would never judge me for this. So why are we judging ourselves for this? And thinking of myself as in kind of third person sometimes helps me. So kind of saying, you know, if, if Caitlin came to me and was having this struggle or needed a mental health day or needed to reschedule their session with me, would I 
be angry at them. No, no, I would hope that they rested and felt better. And we could come back to our session later at a, you know, more opportune time and with more energy. So giving myself that same level of grace and courtesy is pretty much non-negotiable anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you're getting to a point where you take better care of yourself like that. Absolutely. Because if I take better care of myself and I'm able to rest when I need to rest and um, just say, okay, you know what? I, I just, I don't have the spoons right now for this specific thing. Um, but I'm going to give myself a day and then I can come back to this project with renewed energy and interest. I can give a better version of myself anyway. So why are we trying to like push ourselves to burn out and hating it the whole time? Like it, it doesn't, it's not yes. sustainable for anybody, let alone someone yes. with a chronic illness. Exactly. It's like, if, if I try to do something on a day when like, I don't have the, the spoons, I don't have the mental bandwidth, it'll take me four hours to do a one to two hour task. Whereas yes. if I spend two hours napping, then mm-hmm. I can do that task in an hour, you know, yep. or I can do it the next day and feel better. And the, the trouble with that sort of chronic illness balancing act thing is like, we, we want to schedule, you know, we want to, to look at our calendar and see like, okay, I know what I'm doing today. I know the ADHD brain enjoys a list but you also have to build flexibility into that list. Yes. Because some days it's just not going to happen. And having a list that didn't get checked off on Tuesday doesn't mean Tuesday, Caitlin or Tuesday, Abby failed that day. It means they had to reprioritize. Right. And and that's a really, really big mental shift for me Um, because I, I love lists. I love making lists. But ever since I was a child, I would make lists that never got checked off and then I would feel like a failure and I would beat myself up and it would roll over into the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And I would be stuck with this constant sense of I'm getting further and further and further and behind and I'm, I'm just never going to catch up. And so I had to really shift my way of thinking about the list that I make away from do or die and into just a, a, a kind of flexible structure just just a little bit of an idea but you know what it's okay if some of these things never get checked off it's okay if these things get checked off two weeks from now it it's really the rigidity of thinking that comes along with autism many times so that's very interesting as an adult with autism of having this super inflexible Um, rigidity about things but then also with the ADHD comes almost an inability to always stick to these very rigid frameworks and so for people who have comorbid ADHD and autism like me it's this constant running back and forth like a chicken with your head cut off as my mother would love to say and never quite accomplishing anything and so you know trying to give yourself grace when that happens and continuing to keep going and not going, well, I failed the checklist today. So what's the point? I'm just gonna, you know, hermit for the rest of the week and not try to get anything accomplished has really been the biggest way that I found my brain wanting to self-sabotage. So I'm trying to work with that and overcome it and teach my brain new ways of handling it. Awesome. I dig it. Reprogramming the brain is difficult, necessary work. 
<laughs> yes. Um, what would you say the biggest like mindset shifts that we've made together are for you? Wow. Um, thinking that I had to do everything all at once, which I would say would, would be the one that sticks out to me the most because it's the one that is currently helping me be way more productive. So helping me go, yes, you want to write this novel and you want to write these children's books and you have these two blogs that you want to get up and running and you have your social media marketing business that you want to do and you also work from home for your current day job managing the office. We can't do all of these things at once, Abigail. We, we have to pick one or two things. <laughs> and so that allowed me to step back and go, oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like I, I can't, I can't focus. So, you know, we took a step back. We're focusing on the social media marketing and focusing on getting my website up for my day job. And then once that goes, then we can take it in another increment and maybe work on, you know, one of the two blogs or starting to get an outline for the first book. And so that that's number one for sure. I would say the second thing has been seeing my worth separate from my productivity. That's a big one. Oh man, it's huge. I I struggle with it every day. I'm not I'm not going to lie, but I do find that it helps me to surround myself with other people who are neurodivergent, who are chronically ill, who struggle in one way or another and seeing that I appreciate their value completely separate from their productivity and then able to try to do the same third person thing where I go okay you know if if I wasn't me if I was a really good friend of me how would I feel about myself and I realized that I would think I was pretty cool and I'm doing my best and it's okay if today I didn't check off everything on that massive list of to-dos <laughs> um and so that's I would say those, those are my major points. I love that. Yeah. And hopefully like passion pacers helps with that as well, because you see other people. It's so helpful. And, and when I refer to this community I have going, it is passion pacers. That is my community that helps me to realize that we're all in the same boat and we are all these really cool, creative people who are just struggling with, different different struggles for all of us but we're all doing our best and we're all really awesome and so that that really brings a lot of I would say peace to my journey I guess in in trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up (laughs) good I'm I'm glad you know when I set out to create it I wanted to create this you know my placeholder name for it was creatives against burnout and I, it took me a while to settle on the name Passion Pacers, but I knew that it was going to be for creative people who were overwhelmed and didn't know how to start. And I love seeing everybody in there, like, especially Ash, who was, you know, they didn't even know if they wanted to join because they had so much on their plate. And now, yes. even with being a single mm-hmm. parent, of four kids and being in school and working and all this, they've been creating more music and art than ever before. And that's gorgeous. I love it. Yes. I I love their t-shirt that they made the other day. I I still think about that t-shirt. I need to 
send them a message because I'm serious. I want one. <laughs> yeah, do it. We need to make merch. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. We should have a, a little like Passion Pacers um, merch store or something. <laughs> I love that. We should, yeah. Just make cool. a little storefront where like everybody in there who sells stuff, we can just be in the Passion Pacers storefront. Yeah, yeah. I could throw up a couple candles. But I honestly, I think that's something that I really love, uh, you know, kind of coming back to the whole like millennial culture concept. I think that's something I really love about our group is that we're all a little quirky and we're all coming from different points of view in different places, but we all are kind of in this together. And there's this sense of, well, if you are doing something that... I want to learn. Yeah, sure, jump in. Let's let's do this. Or if, you know, I make something and you make something and I think what you make is cool, I'll trade you for that. And and there's this sense of I think community that a lot of us living in this culture are really missing. And I just I think it's so neat that we're able to rediscover that via the internet. Yes, I love the internet little tangent of mine there but I do love that about the passion spacers group especially because we're so close-knit we all know each other and it I didn't know any of them before passion pacers really I knew them maybe adjacently because they were friend of a friend or something but not not like we are now where we're I think we're we're really close and that's I think that's amazing yeah that's I love the close-knit nature of the group obviously I hope it grows over time oh yeah but I hope that we always keep that sense of community, mm-hmm. which we will, because it's my group and I'm going to make sure we keep it. So and I'm the admin and I'm going to back you up. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your different creative pursuits, these different blogs that you're working on, because I love them. And I know that they're on pause right now, but they are. I, I love them and I want you to have space to talk about them. And okay. Yeah, so tell us about um, what Sky Simply and what's the other one? Intentionally Family. I had it earlier and then I forgot the adjective. You're good. I couldn't think of the word for community earlier. So (laughs) we're solid. So Sky Simply is going to, is kind of going to be my place to be a little bit more uncensored, a little bit more, I guess, raw and talk about my struggles with mental illness, my struggles with chronic illness, and then also some of the more kind of metaphysical ways that I've found to support myself in my journey. I kind of hesitate to go full, like spiritual, but (laughs) it's, it is very important to my mental health that I have found a lot of these paths um you know everybody and their cousin likes to go on and on about meditation but I've also found you know meditation EFT and and putting my pursuits also into my more creative artistic things so I make intention or or handcrafted candles and then I've also been making some jewelry some necklaces and bracelets with gems stones that you know have meanings that support my intentions of the day or or whatnot so that's sky simply is going to kind of be where I focus on the more me side of me and then intentionally family is going to be where I talk about um, my 
my roommate Kristen and my journey to becoming a blended family, which we very much consider ourselves, and kind of the story of how we both went from moms who were, you know, in cis marriages <laughs> that were struggling, and we both ended up separating and divorcing our partners. However, I do co-parent fairly peacefully with my ex-husband, and he and I share a, a pretty equal uh, time schedule with my boys. So he's kind of the third parent of the little blended family we have going on. Just the other day, her children and my children were all over at my ex-husband's house for a play date. So, you know, I think that that's kind of not your normal story for a lot of people. And I just kind of want to tell it. I want to tell the story of how we ended up being this two mom, five kids, <laughs> interesting family. And then we also have the added wrinkle of all of our children being neuro neurodivergent um, and having special needs. So we have a lot yeah. going on. Your family is so inspiring. <laughs> like, I love it. I just, I love it. I love how much your roommate's kids love you. I love oh, how it really is a family. It's not yeah. just like two families living together. It's one family. No, we are a family. We, we even kind of came up a long time ago. Um, my oldest son came up with his own moniker for our family. And we combined part of their last name and part of our last name. And so we call ourselves the Pickles. <laughs> Aww. And so we're the Pickles. And uh, if we're out, you know, at, at pre-COVID, if we were at the zoo or somewhere and they had all kind of scattered to the four corners, all I had to do was holler, pickles, assemble. And they'd all come running from all different corners of, of oh my everywhere. Um, so we're, we're definitely that weird. And I use weird in the most positive sense of the word possible, because in our family, uh, one of our sayings is, what do we say about weird? Well, weird is a side effect of being awesome. I love that. So we kind of embrace our quirkiness and our weirdness and the fact that we aren't the normal two parents, you know, mom and dad, 2.5 kids in a white picket fence family, but we're very happy and I would say successful in the most... As successful as, as any parent, I think, can feel like they're being because there's days where I'm I'm just like, okay, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm failing. And then one of the kids will come in and, and just without asking, do something really kind. Like my youngest today decided to bring me a hard boiled egg and peel it himself for me, which seems really silly, but was just very touching that he thought, hey, I'm hungry. So I think mom's hungry, too. And I was trying to work on, on some work for the website and here's this hard boiled egg. <laughs> I love it. So snacks are so important. Yes, snacks are very important. So, you know, we have this this cool story that I want to tell and that I've been told that I need to tell for, for other people that might find themselves in similar places of not having a family that fits into the I guess, relationship binary of what people expect. Because of course, there's all also the, you know, the question of, um, are you and your roommate in a relationship? And we're not. We're best friends, and we consider each other sisters, but it's platonic. So, you know, we would, I suppose, be considered a 
platonic nesting partners, um, mm-hmm. which is really not something that people in at least our area of the United States understand. Yeah, I definitely get that. <laughs> they don't. It's, I have become familiar with the term queer platonic, which is mm-hmm. a queering of platonic assumptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when I met my partner, I met his roommate of like 10 years and like the first time I like came over to spend the night or whatever, the roommate said, you know, we're, we're a package deal. If you decide you want to move in together, I will say, when are we moving? And I really took that to heart and I never, you know, I never once assumed that it would eventually become just the two of us. So we, we just bought a house together all of us I love it, I love it. like your your picture of all of you guys you know in front of the house was was so sweet and it really it I'm not gonna lie it gave me a little a little sprinkle of hope that like there might be some people out there when when and if uh, my roommate and I are, are ready to ever stick our baby toes back into the dating world that there will be other people like yourself who will be accepting and open to the fact that we are a family. We are a package deal, yo, (laughs) which really was not my experience when I was dating. People would always just assume that this was a stopover, you know, that we both just needed a place to live. So we moved in together and it was kind of a temporary thing until we, I guess, met romantic partners and moved in with those partners. And it just always really took me aback when people would make those assumptions because I'm like, no, you don't understand. Her kids are my kids. That that would be like me moving into a home that didn't have enough bedrooms for m- my bio kids. Like, what? Th- those are my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do think that there's hope for that because you know, I, I honestly think that being, you know, I don't default to monogamy and I have had polyamorous and non-monogamous relationships in the past. So that, mm-hmm. that started for me, this process of unlearning. Yes. Like the toxic monogamy standard. Yes. yes. Which is that but like, it's you and your partner above all else. And it's, it's just fucking yes. not like that's his family. That's the person he lives with. And now yeah. I'm going to live with them both. Plus another friend four of us. Right, exactly. I think it's relationship anarchy, right? That what we're both doing is we're not saying that our romantic relationships outweigh the platonic relationships and the platonic bonds that exist in our life. Like, and our family relationships do not outweigh the platonic relationships, if that makes sense. However, they're all kind of equal. Um, I would, of course, never say that I would, you know, choose a platonic friend over my child, obviously, because I'm a mom, first and foremost. But I think we have this idea in our society sometimes that, you know, you get married, and you have children, and then that's your whole world. And I think it's leaving a lot of women, especially women, but I'm sure also men and of course, non-binary people lacking a certain sense of community because there's nothing else. And so that's kind of the, I guess, commentary that Kristen and I, my roommate and I, and and you and your partner are kind of, we're disrupting that. We're disrupting that idea that 
to have a happy, healthy family, you have to have kids or you have to be married to a partner or whatnot. Yep. Yeah, that's a big old fuck fuck normal stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be good here. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's an explicit podcast. You can say the fuck okay, word. Cool. Yes. Fuck. Sorry it took me half an hour to give you the go ahead on that. Okay. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, well, you know, I'm also with the thought process that, you know, my mom might listen to this podcast at some point in time. So <laughs> I've, I've never heard Abby say fuck in my life. Oh, no, she knows. She knows that I do. <laughs> um, I just could hear her going, well, did you have to do it on the podcast? <laughs> yes, Abigail. Yes, mom. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love, I love our little tangent about family. I didn't really script this episode because I wanted us to be able to talk about whatever the hell came up. Yes. Um, I apologize for going off on my tangent, but as you can tell, that's, that's my number one passion project, I think. Yeah. And also, have you listened to the podcast? Like I go off on tangents all the time. Yeah. Thank goodness. That's why I knew when you asked me to be on here that I, it would be okay. (laughs) (laughs) If I squirreled, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's completely fine. Let's talk for a minute about the idea that you were telling me earlier that you perhaps want to start a podcast of your own. Okay. So the idea that I've had for a while now has been to have this podcast centered around people with disabilities and people with chronic illnesses and just kind of telling their stories and talking about the different struggles that we might be facing or how it looks different for everyone and how sometimes our our idea of what a disabled person is is very narrow we we might expect you know a disabled person is just someone who maybe needs mobility supports or is in a wheelchair or you know needs to have an insulin pump or something whereas disability is actually much wider and 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 much more nuanced than I think what the average healthy person thinks. And so I'd really like to tell those stories. I'd really like to talk about the issues that are affecting disabled people here, especially in the United States, but you know, in all over the world, obviously. And yeah, I, I would like to have Caitlin on there as well as a lot of my other amazing friends that I've been able to make throughout this journey of figuring out that I am chronically ill. It's a fun journey, <laughs> but like realizing that I'm chronically ill and giving myself the space to be like, I'm not going to push myself into burnout yeah. because it's not like a person who's not chronically ill. We're like, if you push too hard one week, you can just kind of sleep in that weekend and like right. feel okay. You can recover that weekend and, and bounce back and you're fine. Whereas I, you know, for you or I, if we push too hard, we could be looking at a flare that puts us in bed for a month or yeah. longer. Or um, we could be perfectly fine and there's no way to know. There is no way to know. It's a complete and total game of chance. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like going yes. to Vegas. Yes. It's Vegas. <laughs> you don't even have to leave your room. So on the, on this note of you know, realizing we have chronic illness, giving ourselves the grace to not expect ourselves to push through everything and burn out and do all of this shit. Let's talk internalized ableism. Yeah. 
It's huge. A, a friend of mine just posted a post. And it was uh, internalized ableism bingo. And I, I checked off every single one on that sucker. I was I was like, wow, okay. Clearly need to do some work around here. But yeah. you know, some, of, some of the things that was on this bingo card, which is honestly, I could probably even just pull up and look at. Um, it was talking about telling yourself, well, maybe I'm faking. Having the conversation with yourself of, well, there's so many other people who have it so much worse than I do. Getting new symptoms and just kind of shrugging it off and going, eh, whatever, and not going to the doctor about it. Pushing ourselves and then having to recover for days, months, or weeks, saying, I'm not letting my illness stop me. Well, we're ill. Sometimes our illness does stop us, and that's okay. Not asking for help, not wanting to be an inconvenience to others saying oh I'm fine not wanting to be an inconvenience is is Mm -hmm. so big sometimes I just ask my partner for stuff to like practice the fact that it's safe to ask for help yes that's amazing Mm -hmm. I'll be like can you get me a drink you know and I could get myself a drink like I am not like bedridden and completely unable and if I was he would be bringing me drinks without me having to ask like he's such a caretaking (laughs) person and I love that about him but, you know, I'll just say, hey, can can you grab me a drink while you're up? And he's happy to do so. And I learned that it's safe to ask for help. That's huge for me, too. I think one of the biggest reasons that I was finally able to pin down what was really going on with me physically, mentally, and emotionally kind of circles back to our living situation. Once I was in a home that was safe, that there wasn't, you know, toxicity and there was an ongoing constant drama and fighting and that's when I was really able to dig in and realize okay it's safe for me to be sick and oh yeah by the way I really am sick (laughs) Um, you really are sick yeah yeah and and so I think a lot of us have this internal ableism internalized ableism of thinking that wow we're just being dramatic and we're just doing it to get attention probably because you know, society likes to gaslight us that way. And maybe we have people in our lives who have gaslit us in that way. And we, we internalize it. And it's, it's such a real issue, I think, everywhere. And, and for so many people, able-bodied people, as well as disabled people, really, because we're all gaslighting ourselves and telling ourselves it's not that bad, when maybe it really is. And you got to admit that it, it sucks. And pretending it's not bad isn't going to make it better dealing with it and accepting where you are is is the first step to being able to get a plan and figure things out and hopefully find some coping mechanisms if not solutions for whatever situation it is you're dealing with whether it's mental health physical health a a relationship that's struggling whatever it is you can't gaslight yourself into pretending it's not there and think it's going to get better it's just not yeah (laughs) I love what you just said, you know, pretending it's not that bad isn't going to make it better. Like, holy shit. <laughs> it's not. It, it's not going to go away. <laughs> You're not being dramatic. You're not making it up. And I understand being so overwhelmed that you just can't face something. And and I, I have to hold space for a lot of people sometimes in my life that I realize you just you are not ready yet. And that's okay. But when you are ready, facing the thing is, is going to help you take that next step and get to a better place, whether it's with your physical health, your mental health, 
your living situation, whatever it is, take that first step. I promise it's going to be okay. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and of course I just unmuted as like the kid above me did a cannonball right on like my fucking ceiling. <laughs> That's okay. My my child was banging on my door earlier. That's so. true. I think maybe I'll just make like the outro to this episode, like us getting interrupted. And yes, <laughs> that'd be something. It's like, here's yeah, how two mentally ill people record yeah. a podcast. So, okay. I want to wrap this up so I don't take up too much of your time, but let's, let's talk a bit about like how you schedule your time, apps you use, mm-hmm. just some advice for people. You taught me how to color code my Google calendar, which yes. I appreciate so I much. Google calendar ride or die. Um, my, my, I have different calendars for personal life, my work life, my visitation schedule with my kid's dad. We have a shared calendar and then our family here has a shared calendar. I have like 16 different calendars. So calendars are a must have. Also Google Calendar has the tasks and reminders, which is a really big help for me with my neurodivergent brain because it will remind me every day, eat lunch, (laughs) take your meds. It's time to post to this social media marketing client, or you have this big project coming up. So that's a a big, I would say the number one app that I use. But then I also have this little app that's called Harvest and it allows me to track my time. It's just a little time tracker. It's pretty simple, but I like the ease of it. And I like that I can download it on my tablet. I have it on my computer and then I also have it on my phone. So wherever I'm working from as a chronically ill person, um, I have access to this app and it all syncs across the platforms and helps me keep up with the time that I'm spending working on each project or each client's social media stuff. So that's really good. I hope, I hope you use that for me because I want you to work extra hours. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) No, don't burn out for me. (laughs) I will not burn out for you. That is one thing that I do know and that I do love about working for you is that you know, I've, I've had a couple of phases where I just haven't had the spoons for a couple of days and it's, it's a non-issue for you. And, and I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate like the grace and courtesy of working with someone else who's also chronically ill and neurodivergent and gets it that sometimes our brains are just like, nope, not doing it today. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sometimes they're just not doing it. And I, I appreciate so much what you do in our Facebook community. So Abby is my community manager in the Run Like Hell Toward Happy community on Facebook, which P.S. get in there, enter the giveaway, because in only seven more reviews at the time of recording, it might be even closer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we hit 30 reviews, I'm giving away a free one hour coaching session and a signed copy of my book. Do it, do it, do it, because her coaching sessions are amazing. It's, it's like the best version of a conversation with your best friend plus a coach, you know, it's, it's, I love love your coaching style. It's so chill. It's easy to talk to you. You're non-judgmental. I know I've said things that I've looked back on and been like, Oh my goodness, Abigail, what did you say? But you just roll with it. And you, you really help me to come to terms with whatever it is. And, and so I'm, I'm really I'm really grateful. So yeah, that's my plug for Caitlin as a coach. Do it. <laughs> Do it. And you can try it for free. 
when you all you got to do is leave a show review and then put a screenshot of your review in the giveaway thread in the Run Like Hell Toward Happy Facebook community, where Abby will put it into a little spreadsheet and let me know that it's done. <laughs> and no, then I will I will pick a winner. Also, Abby still needs to leave a review. Abby does need to leave a review because Abby <laughs> listens to your podcast on Spotify and Spotify needs to get its stuff together and allow reviews. I know it's, <laughs> it's so sad that Spotify doesn't do that. And it's, if you don't have an Apple product to leave an Apple review, it's yeah. like freaky difficult. It is. To I, I've, I've tried it. twice from my Google pixel phone. I tried twice and so gave up. But that's okay. Um, we we recently just got iPads for the two oldest kids. So I will steal one of theirs and I will leave a review using their iPad. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. So it'll look like a review from a child. I can't wait. Sorry. No, no, no. It's totally perfect. That was silly sarcasm. I am very excited <laughs> for you to steal your oh, child to leave me a review. Okay, so let's let's wrap this up for now. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. You can find me in all the normal places. And you can find Abby on Instagram at Sky Simply, S-K-Y-E-S-I-M-P-L-Y, or at Intentionally Family as well. So Instagram right now is my main social. But eventually, we will have some blogs, hopefully, that will be up and maybe even a Twitter account if I get real crazy. Ooh, a Twitter. Or a Facebook page. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I love you. Thank you for coming on the show with me. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me. I love being your coach. I love seeing everything that you're doing. I saw your recent Facebook post for the business and tax office, and I was so fucking proud of you for just doing it. Oh my goodness. Canva is amazing. So thank you. Canva is so good. Yes. But yes, I'm going to wrap this up now. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Abby and I love you all. Leave a review. Post it in the Facebook community where you can meet and chat with me and Abby whenever you want because we're addicted to Facebook and it's a problem. We are always on our phones and we are always there to talk. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hold on. That's a child banging at my door. (laughs) Pause. That's fine. We edit this out. Thanks for joining me today. If you loved this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Then join us in the Run Like Hell Toward Happy community on Facebook, where you can enter to win prizes like free books, coaching sessions, and more. Huge thanks to Leave Nelson B. for our musical interludes and to Jennifer Hearn Photography for the photo used in my cover art. Check the show notes for links and resources mentioned in today's episode. And I'm not even going to bother telling you my social media handles because all I want you to do is join the Run Like Hell Toward Happy community on Facebook and enter that awesome giveaway. Boom. You can find me there. That's all for now. I'll see you next time. 